are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Kathy. A warm welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy you're having me. I'm really excited about this conversation and uh, I've been watching videos with you all day and I came over <laughs> your story and I just found it so fascinating because I've been interviewing quite many people who've had near-death experiences and most of them are positive. And I realized that I actually haven't interviewed anybody on my show that has had negative near-death experiences and you had quite a lengthy one with a with a lot of things happen that seems like can happen in a sci-fi movie or a scary <laughs> horror movie and I was thinking you know I, I need also to put these perspectives on the table and then we can explore it and sort of try to understand okay why did this happen to you and why does it not happen to others and is there anything we can do right now you know uh, as humans not to have that experience so I'm sort of curious about that as well and my first question is relating to, you know, your spiritual beliefs and uh, religious beliefs. Did you have any religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs before you had that near-death experience? 
Yes, my uh, parents were avid Catholics, and so I always went to Catholic school and had the nuns and the priests, and we uh, always went to Mass and all the holidays and confession on Fridays and uh, all the way up to when I went to college. It was all uh, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic all along the way, and I was very comfortable with that. I loved my religion and loved Jesus and believed everything. So. You, yeah, you said you were comfortable with that. Did it give you a lot of like uh, uh, comfort and love and having that belief? Yeah, it did. There's there's a mixture. Catholicism is uh, very heavy into Jesus, which is great, but they were also very heavy into um, sin and punishment. And uh, you had to be so careful. It was so easy to mess up. And then you had this, this, uh, this specter of, of purgatory and hell always in the back of your mind. Anytime you had an, especially as teenagers, my goodness, you know, you're experimenting with the world. And, and you know, a, a French kiss was a mortal sin. You know, is that really worth going to hell for? So it was, uh, it was a lot of my life. All right. So I know you've shared this story quite a lot. I've heard you've been on so many podcasts. You have also a book called uh, Misfit in the Hell to Heaven Expat. I need right. to write that because the title was like, <laughs> it's a tongue twister, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you wrote that book to really come out with a story because you have a message to share. And that is part of why you, you had to come back because from spirit. <laughs> Uh, you were meant to share this. And I just want to commend you for going on all these podcasts, sharing it again and again. Uh, but like I said to you before we came onto the show, you know, stories is what is moving us. And me hearing your story the first time really touched me. So I would love for you to share how did this NDE happen and what yeah, what happened in it? What happened? Well, it's uh, again started with Catholicism and and what I believed in, and um, I had been engaged to this wonderful man that I'd met. Um, I had been divorced. He had been divorced. I had two kids, and uh, we had been together oh probably seven eight years, and we finally split up because he got a job offer on the east coast and we had lived on the west coast i had my family my own business and we decided we'd just go our separate ways but stay you know best of friends about a year after he got over there he um called and said that he had leukemia he was only 53 and that he had to go to a research hospital and he needed two caregivers would i please help him i said sure you know so it was going to be in seattle i lived in uh, california so i flew to seattle and found us a place near the hospital and he and the other caregiver flew up and this was supposed to take two or three months for this uh, stem cell uh, transplant thing and uh, all the tests and getting him ready and all that and then the procedure and then we should be out of there in three months. Well, that didn't happen. It uh, went on and on. He'd get better. He'd get worse. He'd get better. Blah, blah, blah. And about oh, was almost nine months into this, the other caregiver had broken her foot. So I was taking care of both of them. Very little sleep. And uh, he died. And that was very heartbreaking. 
And uh, I was set to go back to California, but I uh, went out with a, a, a man that I had been dating for a couple of months and we went to a concert. They had a horrible flu going around. I was run down, picked it up. And in very short order, I had gone from flu to pneumonia and um, slipping into something more serious, which is called ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, I had taken myself down to one of the uh, local emergency room, little, little, we call them a dock in a box, and uh, gotten some pills. I went home. I, I was so sick, got up in the middle of the night. I'm coughing blood everywhere. And so I called my boyfriend and said, you need to take me to the hospital. I, I'm seriously ill. I can't get down this three flight of stairs by myself. So he came, got me. We went to the dock in the box and just as I was getting out of the car, I could feel my life force just draining out of me like a battery it was coming out, you know, through my legs. And I just thought I was shouting and I just, but I was whispering and it was, I'm dying, I'm dying. And uh, he slammed on the brakes and I tried to open the car door and that was all I remembered. I had passed out. He picked me up and carried me into the, the place. They couldn't find a pulse. They put me in an ambulance, took me to a hospital. I woke up a couple days later uh, with an oxygen tent in the intensive care unit. Here's my parents from Cal uh, California, my daughter from Colorado. And, you know, I thought, you know, what's going on? And they said, wow, you are, are super sick and um, they're going to have to put you into a drug induced coma. They're going to throw the book at you. They don't know how to um, cure this. It's a syndrome and, and you either you're going to get better or you won't. You know, we just have to keep you alive. Uh, long enough for whatever happens to happen and we'll pray. And so it was all very quick. And so I said goodbye to everybody. And and the doctor, last thing he says, now don't worry about it. We're giving you something here that that will cause your brain to more or less go offline. You will, won't be able to remember a thing that happens to you. You'll just be in a deep sleep. So don't worry. I said, thumbs up to my dad. Thumbs up. He came back to me. I went to sleep. And I woke up <laughs> and I, I, I thought, where am I? Because it was totally black and there was no sound. And I couldn't tell if I was standing or sitting. I just, it was the weirdest thing. So I thought, well, it, I'm not hurting. I'm not scared. I'll just hang out. So I just kind of did and waited. And all of a sudden I noticed that maybe it was getting a little lighter, you know, and it was like this reddish glow happening. And I assumed it was the sun coming up. So I thought, great, now I'll find out where I am. But as it got lighter, it didn't get clearer. There was this, this fog that was kind of rolling around. And I thought, that's strange red fog. And then I thought, wow, it's getting warm in here, you know, and oh, geez, what is that stench? What in the heck? And then I started hearing moaning and shrieking. And I thought, holy cow, this can't be good. And then all of a sudden out of the fog, this voice boomed, do you know where you are? Oh, gosh. Uh yeah, I thought uh, I, my, my mind was racing and all I could come up with was hell. And then the thing went Whoa, uh, 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 with this horrible laugh out of a monster movie. 
freaked me out. And I turned and I ran into the darkness just to get away from that thing. I didn't, I, I just, it was just instinct. So I got a certain ways into this darkness and I thought, well, I can't tell if I'm going to step in a hole or run into a wall. I, I couldn't hear that thing anymore. So I waited and all of a sudden these bright lights came up and I was shocked. And it was like somebody turned a spotlight on me. And I thought, well, okay. And I looked around and I could see, I felt like I was in New York City. It was just all these big, tall buildings, but so many of them had fallen over. The windows were blown out of the rest of them. There was big, huge pieces of concrete with rebar sticking out of them. And people in the background, I could hear screaming and there was fires and, and uh, you know, total chaos. And I'm just awake in this scene and I thought oh this is not a good place to be because I was out where I could see around me I thought I know I, I better hide someplace so I did tuck in there was two pieces of concrete that kind of made a little v and I tucked in there I, I thought, oh my gosh and I thought well I'll just kind of sit here for a minute catch my breath and no idea I'm dead right the entire time I had no idea I was just me so I'm sitting there waiting, and um, then I started hearing noises, like things around me. I There was this metallic scuttering sound, and I thought, oh, shoot, that must be aliens is what's happened. We, you know, they've blown up the city, and, and then, but then there was this crowd of ragtag people that started coming toward me, and they didn't look all that friendly, and I thought, I, I, I got to find a place better than this. So I took off running climbing over all this stuff. I found a wall I was going to crawl over. It. I thought maybe I could get in a building, you know, uh, there's might be some food in there or something. But as I got to the top, I, my fingernails started going down and I knew I was falling and I started to go backwards. And I thought, oh shoot, I hope I don't fall on one of those rebar things, you know? And I closed my eyes and I waited for the pain and the lights went out and then the lights came up and I was in a different place. This happened many times. The I would get into a situation where I had to make a decision and the lights would go out. It didn't like the way I made my decision. It was the only thing I could figure out. So I'd come back again. Uh, the first time I knew I was in serious trouble was when the lights came up and there was this great big creature standing in front of me, so big that I couldn't even see his face without leaning back and looking up. And I thought, what is that I immediately thought of, you know, Bigfoot, a Yeti. Uh, it's kind of hairy and 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 hulking, but it was had like caveman clothes on or something, and this big stick. And I thought, oh my goodness, uh, I you know don't don't show fear, you know. So I just kind of stood there and didn't move. And he leaned over and said, "Do you want to get out of here?" And that shocked me because I, I expected some sort of garbled language. Language, And I said, uh, yes. And he says, I've got a job for you. You get this done. I'll see you get out of here. I thought, well, this is totally weird, but get out of here sounds good. So I said, sure. What do you got? And he says, well, I just need this. And he wrote, put his hand up and he waved his hand. And it was like this. The lights came up again and there's this huge blackberry pastures as far as I could see with these great big canes and and stickers and all that stuff and I thought 
Uh, blackberries. Oh my gosh, I'm from Washington and I have moved into houses where I've had to cut those things out. It's very time consuming and you get all scratched up. So I thought, uh huh. And he says, I just need all that cut down and then I'll get you out of here. And he kind of chuckled. And I thought, I don't find this funny. And I thought, well, you know, I don't see any better way to spend my time. So I said, sure. And he hands me these little scissors that they give kindergartners to cut paper. And then he kind of chuckled. And and I thought, uh, this is a joke of some sort. It's not funny. But I, you know, I took the blasted scissors and I went down and I started gnawing on one of the canes. And finally it broke off. And I thought, boy, this is going to take forever. And so I stuck it behind me and I turned back around to grab the next cane. But when I did, I I noticed that the darn cane just grew completely back the full length. And now I hear Junior over here chuckling, just laughing it up. And I thought, what a jerk, you know, but I thought I'm not going to let him get the best of me. I'm not going to let him see fear. I'm just going to be stubborn and I'm going to do it. So I went back to cutting, but then the lights went out and then the lights came up. I found myself in many situations, but the one that, that happened the most was the road. And that was when the lights would come up, but it would still be dim and I could, I was standing and there was like a dirt road in front of me that went either direction, left and right, and, and into the, into the horizon, you know, and then in front of me, all the way to the horizon was nothing but rocks and uh, maybe a pile of rocks, you know, to make it a little interesting or uh, a dead tree or something. And then in the distance, it was that, that reddish glow thing and, and in, in Washington that we've had that happen when there's fires you know someplace and then you see that reddish glow and the and the fog and i thought well shoot i don't want to go straight ahead there's fires down there i'll just go to the right it's kind of like being on the freeway i'll just take a right and see where it goes the good thing about being on the road was that i could see 360 and uh in some of these other situations things were creeping up on me you know and i was tired of that i just wanted to find a way out. And I thought a road is probably my best bet at this time. So I would walk and walk and walk and walk on this road. And uh, reminding you now that on the other side, there is no time. It's, it's this eternal now. It's always present. You've got no watch, you've got no sun coming up and going down. Um, it's just now it's, it's, it, it's hard to describe, but as I walked on this road, I, I just thought, my gosh, there's no end to this thing. And uh, I've said before that the joke I was telling myself was maybe it's a giant treadmill, you know, and I'm really not getting anywhere. I'm just going. And I thought, well, that's all right. I like a treadmill. I need my exercise. Um, nothing seems to be harming me. I, I seem like I'm going in a positive direction. Just got it out. Um one of the weirder things that happened uh, is that I saw some living people down there, people who were not dead. They were in in my life at the present. And I saw um, a couple of them that I had interactions with. And there's a lady named Emily. She's doing a, a book on that now. It's, it's very rare. But it happened. Uh, I saw this lady that is a very dear relative of mine on the road. 
I had been walking. I was tired. I was hungry. I was mad. I was uh, scared. And all of a sudden, I smelled something wonderful. And I thought, really? Uh, and that was kind of a cross between maybe a pie or uh, I don't know. It was wonderful. And I thought I was just excited. So I kind of picked up my pace and I got to where this smell was coming from. And, and uh, there was a man sitting on one side of the road watching this lady on the other side of the road who was cooking up a storm. I mean, she had tables all laid out with nice linen and big piles of food and desserts and entrees and stuff. What a shock. You know, I was thrilled. And then I, she turned around and I, I said her name. I was just so excited. And she just looked at me kind of puzzled. And I said, oh, I, I see you're kind of busy here. Um, if you could just get me a small plate of anything, I'm really, really hungry and a glass of water. I'll get out of your way and you, you can do what you've been doing. And she, she hesitated and looked at me and says, well, this is for the important people. And I thought, we were really close. That hurt, you know? And I thought, okay, I don't understand, but it's cool, you know? So I, I kept walking, kept walking, kept walking, kept walking. This was pretty much the end of when the segments happened. And um, I didn't realize until later I was getting toward the end, of course, but as I walked down this road, it was still so dark, no stars or anything. And um, I could just make out this, like a, a group of people and they were kind of walking across my road, you know? And I thought, oh man, I'm afraid to veer off because I might not be able to get back on the road. This at least has some possibility to it. So I've got to get through those people. I'll, and I, I got, as I got closer, I noticed that they were, I don't know, dirty rags and they were they were muttering to themselves they weren't speaking they were they were just crossing the road back and forth bumping into one another some of them were limping and and i thought oh jeez those look like zombies i mean what next uh th that was danger super capital d and i thought well i can't get off the road uh i'm gonna have to just go through them maybe if i just act like I'm one of them. They're, they don't look all that bright. Maybe they'll uh, not not notice me. And that's my best, my best choice. So I slowed down as I got there and I picked up a limp and I started mummering, muttering and carrying on that way and just kind of easing my way through. And I got about halfway through and I thought, well, this is working. This is great. And they all froze. And I I stopped too because I thought, oh, if I keep moving, they're going to notice it's me. Well, as I even was having that thought, it was obvious they knew I was there and they started moving out toward the outside of the circle. But that was the women. And then in the men started coming uh, all around me and I didn't know quite what. And boom, one of them hit me in the chest, knocked me backwards. Another one came up and just kicked me. And I thought, Oh my God, they're going to kill me, you know? And, but they, they jumped on top of me. And as Howard Storm had happened in his NDE, there was a very unfortunate altercation situation that single women have when there's a bunch of crazy guys around. And it was very painful. It was scary. And 
Um, I kicked and I screamed and I did everything I could, but it was to no avail. So finally they started backing up and uh, I had noticed that like zombies, they were just like kind of decaying or something. And then this one guy just put his face up to mine. And I, I remember that his cheek was all uh, coming apart there. And, and uh, he had terrible breath and he got up close and he says, we all have AIDS and now you have it too. And you know what? You can't die. So you're going to just get sicker and sicker to you're one of us. And then he backed up and they all kind of moved out. And then this demon female, I guessed, came up and pointed her finger at me and said, get up. You're one of us now. So I kind of gathered what was left of my clothing and stood up. I thought, well, at least she's a female. Maybe there's, you know, all this is, I, I, I kept trying to be positive. That's the kind of person I am. I just kept thinking if I could just stay alive long enough, I'm going to get out of here. You know, it's just what's going to happen. I cannot give up. That whole thing of despair kind of it kept echoing, you know, as Catholics, we were taught never despair, never give up. That's the unforgivable sin. So that despairing thing, I kept pushing it out of my mind. So I followed this lady and it wasn't too far then that there was another group of these women. I don't know how many, eight, maybe more, all in the same boat I was and so we kind of looked at one another and the lady said get in line follow me so we did and as we got out of the dark clearing got out of the dark area there it became clear and uh as far as we could see it was just snow and ice it was like somewhere in Alaska or something where it was just this snow was blowing the wind was blowing and we were all had their raggy clothes and it was freezing and uh another reference to the time i just know that we were on flat ground when we left and it was starting to snow and by the time she finally uh told us we were where we were going that the, the snow was chest high so that's how long we had been trudging behind one another uh, again, no time, but this was my only reference, and we were freezing. It was just awful, and um, the gal, it was this, well, I can see it. It's a it's a shed of some sort. It, it might have been like a, I don't know, somebody in a frontier days made it, and it was what was left of it. It was wood, and um, you had a door, and, and she opened it, and we all walked in, And but the floor was warped, and, and no furniture. Uh, the windows were kind of blown out. The snow's blowing through there. Um, it was just a little step up of being out in the snow. So we're sitting on the floor, kind of huddled, too tired to talk, and the uh, demon lady says, okay, now we wait for customers. Well, we all knew what that meant, and it was just, I mean, low, low time. And um, I said to her, you know, I, I've, I've been here a really long time, and um, this seems like a particularly nasty, low-energy, bad day. Is there some reason for this? Just making conversation. And she says, oh, well, 
as Christmas on earth. That's always the worst day in hell. And I thought, oh my God, hell. And I thought, I, you know, I, I, I still feel like I'm alive. I mean, I don't remember dying. I mean, this is, this can't be happening. Um, uh, and then I got mad. <laughs> I thought I'm not supposed to be here. Um, and, and, and she's gonna, no, I thought, well, I know what'll tick her off. And I just thought, Christmas, huh? So I thought, I'll sing a Christmas carol that should get her goat. So I started with my favorite one, which is Away in a Manger. No crib for his bed. And she turned around and looked at me and said, shut up. Now the other ladies were saying, ah, that got her goat. Okay. And so we kept singing. Uh, and we got to the part that's, uh, and the little Lord, and we got almost to the next word, and she turned around and screeched this horrible screech, and that came leaping at me like a spider, and I just shut my eyes, and I thought, well, you know, at least I'm getting out of here. I'll, I'll wake up someplace else, and the lights went out, and then the, the lights came up, and this time, the lights were warm and it was full of love. And I was just swimming. I, I, I remember thinking I've got every, every particle, every cell of me is just like sopping with love. I, it was just wonderful. I felt like I was like rolling over in it, like uh, floating and, and just being embraced and loved. And it was just awesome. It was bliss. I mean, I could remember nothing that had happened before. I was just totally consumed with this experience of, of love. And as it, as it kind of, kind of started to dissipate a little bit, it started to not just be white clouds. It became like a white, I don't know, everything seemed to be made of marble not quite a church, but big high ceiling and, and walls. And, and uh, when I was looking around, I noticed a table and it was a big architect's table and there was a huge book on it about, look like one of those old fashioned Bibles. And it was about halfway open. And I remembered I was being shown something in there and I can't remember what it was. And that all of a sudden I looked up and there's my friend who had died the month before. And the last time I'd seen him, of course, his hair had all fallen out and he was all swollen and blotchy and purple. And one of his eyes was all swollen shut because it was infected in his eye. But he looked great. He looked about 35 years old. His hair was brown instead of gray. And, and oh, he looked so healthy and he was smiling ear to ear. He and I used to play tricks on each other all the time. And then we'd say, you know, okay, I'm going to get you for this, Kathy, or I'm going to get you for this, Pat. And uh, he was just happy and buzzing over there. And I thought, oh, shoot, he doesn't know he's dead. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Oh, he's just all happy. And then I thought, I'm not going to tell him because I still had no idea. I was just still me. And and he he started laughing, just laughing out loud. And I thought, wait a minute, he hurt me. And I didn't say that out loud. Wow. Wow. If he's dead and, and I'm dead and uh, this is heaven. And this is like the best thing ever. And I said to him, why are we just standing here? Why did he get, he was like standing in front of this arch doorway. I says, come on, take me in there. I want to go see all the angels and rainbows and stuff, you know? And he started walking toward me a little bit and I was confused. And, and he says, now Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. That took about two seconds for me to say, what? You mean I got all the way here and you're now saying you're sending me back? No. Uh-uh. I just crossed my arms. I stamped my foot just like a two-year-old. And I said, no, no. And he just smiled and the lights went out. Then the lights came back up and I thought, oh my gosh, they're too bright. And oh Lord, there's all those people moving around again. I'm back in hell. I was just terrified. And then my daughter turned around and says, oh, look, mom's back. And they all turned around and they're, they're clapping and jumping up and down. And I, I'm really confused now. I don't know what the heck's going on. And my daughter came and sat next to me and I thought, I can't move. I can't turn my head. What's in my throat? I can't talk. I, I thought, what is going on? And I couldn't say anything. And she said, now, mom, calm down. Now you've been super sick. You've been in a coma for three weeks. We were told you probably wouldn't make it. We've been praying like crazy. My mom said, we had this prayer circle going around the world to bring you back. And I thought, back? Oh, you terrible people. You should have let me stay. I was so happy. But there was nothing I could say. So I just kind of lay there and the next day the doctor came in and uh, they did a little test on me, you know, moving this, moving that. And they found out I could uh, move this finger and blink. That was it. So all the, all the while in my head is, you've got too much left to do. You know, I can't breathe. I can't eat. I can't move. I can't talk. It was really 
difficult for me to accept that that was going to be a good thing, you know? So I was in that ICU for three weeks and then I was there another week until uh, they could get permission from my insurance. They didn't want to pay for it. I was such a wreck. They said, we're wasting our money. She's going to be in a convalescent home the rest of her life. I was 53. I had my own business. I mean, I couldn't talk. It was terrible. So they they had a couple tests that I had to get through to uh, tell the insurance company that I was worth saving uh, and physically able to recover. And they put me in a physical rehab facility for a month. And every week they check and see if I was progressing, if not off to the convalescent home. So there was, there was a little bit of pressure. So I had to learn to walk and talk and button things and go up and down stairs and swallow and all those things because all my muscle mass was gone. I had uh, dropped down to 86 pounds uh, because they only fed me with a nasal tube and I wasn't big to begin with. So it was, it was struggle. It was another type of hell. And um, thank God for my family. And I finally got out. And uh, I married the fella that I had been dating because he'd been there every day in the hospital. And, and there's a story behind that, too, that's in the book. Um, so I, uh, I was back. And um, then it was time for uh, stage two. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I, uh, yeah, I noticed that you are still getting touched by this. And this was 25 23 years ago. Yeah, it's because it's still there. I mean, it's, it's, it's in my soul, not my brain. That's what people say. Oh, you know, yeah, it's just you, you remember that from, you know, remembering. No, 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 no. I was offline. So it's, it's, it's very real. It, it's those experiences are more real than real. I hate that expression, but it's true. I mean, you don't remember dreams. You don't remember hallucinations. Right. Very clear. I mean, this is a very frightening experience. Um, and I want to address that. But before that, I have some questions. So you didn't understand that you were dead. Uh, and did you sort of think, okay, so the last thing I remember was being in the bed and uh, the hospital and the doctor told me everything is going to be all right. You didn't have those thoughts because we don't have that in a dream. Like we don't a question yeah. oh there's a red elephant there uh maybe i'm dreaming yeah you sort of just uh, saw everything and uh, or and well, did you like feel yourself like physically like you didn't question that okay what am i or no i start i would run you know i knew i was running i was getting places um no uh, it's like being in your car i mean when you're in your car it's driving you around and but when you get out of your car it's just you. That's a car. The body is your car. It moves and does things that you want it to do. But when you get out of it, people that come back and look at their body say, oh, my God, that that can't be me. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It's just it's trippy. No explanation. It just and everything like uh, seemed so real. Like you're saying that you all you actually saw physical people like they oh, appear yeah. physical. Yeah, it turned out I had uh, uh, messages to give those two people. They were both going through their own private hells on earth, and um, I was to give them both messages. One person didn't take it very well. The other one did. So. Oh, okay. Could you explain that? Because I didn't understand that, that you 
on the other side, while being dead, you saw two living people. What do you mean by that? How did you see them? Like as there, I was walking along. It's like coming around a corner and seeing you. You know, I just there you were, and I knew you. You know, and I thought here I am in this place with with demons and all this other stuff. What the heck are you doing here? You know, so that was very surprising. Um, I guess the best thing to do would just kind of leap to my conclusions, which was uh, there is no hell. That I manifested that experience because I believed I would do it. I believed that when I died, I would go to purgatory, which was hell, except you get out because that's what I was always told. And uh, so when I died, I expect did to go there and I did. And so I made it out of all the terrible things that ever happened in my life. Those two people got stuck in there. How they did I maybe because subconsciously I knew they were both in trouble and I that's maybe why they were there in my and I'm not going to say dream. It was an, a, a real experience. It's a near death experience. You don't have to be dead to be a near death experience. You just have to be near. That's you know, so many of us are in comas when this happens, but generally the doctors are saying, say goodbye, which they did to my, my parents say goodbye. She can't, we can't save her. And then you, you bounce back, but, um, yeah, it's a little complicated. Right. So, okay. So you believe that you manifested this, that that's the first thing. And then so when you manifest something on the other side, that, that means that we can manifest our own realities on the other side. You can, rem- you can manifest your reality now. What, what, you know, when this power of positive thinking, you know, you're going to manifest, you're going to get that job and you get it. I mean, there's, we are very powerful spirits. We can do a lot with, um, that we don't really take advantage of. What I'm curious about, like these demons, these uh, creatures that you met, do they exist or did you create them through your manifestation? What do you think? This is not a human brain can understand sort of situation. This is a spiritual realm. This they, There's different rules than there are with you and I talking, we, we can touch things and we can rationalize things. And, and then there's gravity and all this, you get on the other side and that's a whole different ball game. It doesn't, it doesn't translate well. It's not, it's not earth. It's, it's, uh, it's different. Um, so I can only, I like to say that The other side is so incredibly huge and complicated that you send somebody with a little human brain over there and they can come back with a little piece of the puzzle, what they experienced, what they saw. But it's it's laughable uh, as to say, I've got 11 pieces. Now I know what heaven looks like. That's like saying you go to New York and spend a week there and you go to the park and you go to the sea and you come back and say, I know what earth is like, you know, there's no comparison. So it's very, very difficult to explain these things. We have to kind of dig in there and see what the, the message is because we all plan our lives and what we want to learn. This is all stuff I learned when I got back, uh, so I chose that. That's where I could 
pull myself together and not go crazy, you know, to say, okay, it took me 10 years to get to a group that IONS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies. I was going nuts for 10 years. Nobody would listen to me. Nobody could give me an explanation. I was reading anything I could get on near-death experiences and especially the distressing ones to find out that there was, you know, four other people on the planet that had the same thing happen to me that, you know, that did to me was save my life, you know, to think that I wasn't crazy. This is happening to a lot of people, uh, you know, the near-death experience, and then the ones that are distressing. Nobody wants to talk about it. There's a lot of fear and shame associated with this. You know, my mom says, oh, dear God, Kathy, what did you do to go to hell? Well, uh, <laughs> that was no good answer for that. Um, I kissed a guy. I, I don't know, uh, you know. So it's, it's a very complex Back to, I finally found Ions. I listened to some of their stories. I listened to more of them. I kept looking for the people with the distressing ones. I found one lady, uh, Nancy Evans Bush, that uh, was alive and kicking. She'd, she'd written three books on it. Um, she had one, and she is, I mean, she's an intelligent, educated person. And this threw her for a loop. And, but her book, took her three of them, uh, uh, saved my life. It was just like, this is what happened to you. You're not a bad person. You 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 chose this as uh, something to go through so that you could come back and share what you learned with others. And that's what I'm doing. Um, and I can't tell you the response I get from um, just letting people know that God is all loving, all forgiving, non-judgmental. There is no hell unless you choose. And um, it just, it lightened up my whole life and it's lightening up other people's lives too. Religions, I, I was spiritual. I finally became a spiritual person. I had to give up religion. I mean, it was all the man-made rules and the thou shalt nots. And, um, you know, you do this and you're going to hell. You do this, you're going, if you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell. That is such bullshit and it's so so wrong and so unkind and so um it's just it's, no run run if that sort of is situation is in your life because it's not true it's just not true um life is simpler than that i really find it comforting that you're saying that there's no hell from someone who has been in hell or a hellish place, that actually that is your experience. Because it's easy for people who've had NDEs in beautiful places to say there's no hell, right? Like you said, you know, it's so vast that how can we know? But you're really saying this with conviction. Like, how did you become so certain that this was what you manifested? Did you sort of get like an insight of that on the other side when you were in heaven? Or did you sort of study a lot when you came back and then made that conclusion? Yeah, it was with the help of other people and uh, a vast amount of reading and, and interactions with people. Um The fact that I like the fact fact <laughs> that people come back and say that there's a life review and uh, there's there's no judgment 
associated with it. And supposedly, you, you get a couple angels or guides or, or friends or something to watch this movie of your life. And you get to see from the time you're conceived to the time you die. And you get to see everything that happens. And then they turn that film around and you get to interact or be the people that feel what you felt. The people, I'm sorry, this is so complicated. Um, you get to see the what happened when you did something, if it was uh, loving or unloving, you get to feel the reaction of every single person you interacted with. So, you know, you're in a car accident, you jump out of the car, you get two choices. You say, you idiot, you know, you bumped into my car and, or you can get out and say, oh my gosh, are you all right? I've got insurance. Don't worry about it. Let's see if you're all right. So you get to feel that reaction you have with people. If it's loving, you will feel that love. If it's painful, if they're scared, if they're hurting, you will get to feel that. That's that's the only, I, it's not a judgment. It's just understanding how you did. You chose things to learn on earth. This is, you get to see your report card and you wrote the report card. And uh, even if it's like, I should have done a little bit better there or, oh, knocked it out of the park on that one. It's just watching a movie, but you get to feel it. That's like, some people say, well, are you saying then that Hitler, you know, doesn't go to hell? Well, if Hitler gets to feel every bit of pain and sorrow and fear and uh, of every single person that he interacted with and their families, he's probably still in the middle of his life review. You know, um, God doesn't judge us. We judge ourselves and it's not even a judgment. It's just an understanding of how we did on earth because we're going to go other places. I totally believe in reincarnation now. Um, this is just school. Earth is school. We plan who we're going to come down with, our soulmates. We plan it all out. I understand there's a committee. You got to get the okay. Then everybody's okay. Everybody goes down and you meet up like you and I are meeting up now. We made that. That's a plan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah, we we did. We planned to do this. We said, well, you know, we've known each other, but maybe this time on our incarnation, we'll just meet up for an hour. It'll be fun, you know. <laughs> and and to go through life with that understanding now that I've, I used to be this victim, you know. God, now what? Why do you keep punishing me? I'm I'm a good person, but now it's like, well, hold on, Kath. You plan that now. What that? What is the lesson there? That's interesting, isn't it? And. You know, okay, it works out, doesn't work out, but I'm not being judged. I'm not being punished. I'm just learning what I wanted to learn. It it just makes life a lot easier. Yeah. So would you say that you really believed on a deep uh, level in your subconsciousness that there wasn't hell before you had that NDE? It wasn't just something that you were taught and you were like, no, I really don't buy into that, but you really believed it in your- I, I totally believed it. So much so as in the church, it's, uh, it's something called indulgences. It started in the middle ages. You know, if you did some something like uh, did an extra rosary or you went to mass you know, or you did a novena, you got actual days off purgatory. It was written in black and white. You could get like, I think a rosary was 300 days off your purgatory. And that was supposed to be, you know, that's like getting 10% off a pair of shoes. Uh, so you got, you know, 30,000 more days in purgatory, but you got 300 off. 
So I would do that. I'd go, I had this math thing going on and I, and I just to try and chip away at that time I knew I was going to spend in purgatory. I had no doubt I was going to go. I mean, that does make sense to me because I have been on YouTube watching some of these NDEs, you know, and it has scared me a bit, frightened me a bit, but this makes sense. This makes really sense. Uh, How can we, okay, so to me, there might be a bit of a fear, you know, what if I will experience something different? Now, I don't believe that there's a hell, but I believe that there are some dark energies. I believe, you know, that the universe have everything. So, of course, there's a part of me that is like, okay, is that going to manifest? So do you have sort of a suggestion on what we can do to, I mean, the Egyptians, you know, they were preparing their deaths and we're not taught to do that, but maybe that is an idea. Well, I think <laughs> what I've done now is, um, well, I did ask God. I went, I was, I'd been back quite a while, and I kept saying, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go there again, man. I, I, I need to have something positive to think about. So it came in a series of, of two at a time. I, God said, be, Kathy, just be loving and kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental and useful. Concentrate on that positivity there. That's going to fill up my mind. You know, that's, I'm going to go to heaven because I am loving and kind. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm merciful and forgiving. I am, you know, none of this dark stuff. I just banish the dark stuff. And then you can just remember to be loving and kind. I mean, I say this almost every morning before I walk out the door. Um, it would just be such a better world. You will have so much more peace. Uh, you will believe it. And it's true. I'm telling you, it's true. Uh, with all the people that do go straight to heaven, it's it just used to irritate me when I'd read about all these atheists that went to heaven. You know, yep. what's wrong with this picture? So that was another part of the puzzle is like, these people never, never conceived of going to hell, much less heaven. Zoom, off they go. Um, so, okay, yeah, I, I needed to, to stop believing that and, and, and start accepting God's love, accepting God's non-judgmental, uh, his patience and his forgiveness. And, and it's a gift. We all have that gift unless we don't want it. But I, I got a theory now, since you said that atheists, went right or some went right to heaven so is it uh about what we feel about ourselves or might it be you know this is just a theory our worthiness because i my belief is that i'm worthy of going to heaven like that's my natural thought that of course i'll go to heaven but there's a belief that there is some darkness so i i can feel that or think that Ooh, what if I need to experience that or God wants me to experience that for some reason, but I believe I'm worthy of heaven. And maybe that atheist believe he's worthy because, uh, and not sinful. Like you've been told that you're sinful and that does something to you. You know, that you can't do anything right. Like you can't do this, you can't do that. So all your emotions are wrong. You can't do a French kiss. That's wrong. So everything you want to do that's natural to you is wrong. Yeah. So do you think it has something to do with that, that 
uh, we feel that if we are worthy of heaven or not, that that's it, what is so, sort of, um, yeah, putting us there or there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think God is just all loving and forgiving. We are pieces of God. That's what your soul is. I mean, God is everywhere. God is everything. So we are souls uh, that are choose to come down and have a human experience. So we already know we started in heaven. That's that whole um, misfit in hell and expat thing. I, we start in heaven. We all do. We agree to come down. We agree to go through the veil. We we agree to forget because it would be cheating if we were down here and we knew that, you know, the outcome. And we, so we agree to come down here and play this game on earth and learn stuff and experience things, knowing when we're coming down, we'll be right back because that's our home. Heaven is our natural home. So once you remember that, I'm, I'm not afraid of that anymore. I mean, heaven is my home. And I, when I get done with all this crazy stuff I signed up for, I get to go home. And that's just the way it is. I'm not thinking any other way. And uh, it does. So that's why people who have no religion or have, you know, they aren't tainted with that. Their souls know when they die, they go home. Hmm. I found it interesting that everything shifted in your experience when you started to sing Christmas carols. And that made sense to me because it seemed like you opened your heart to something you loved, that you sort of were not that in fear anymore. Uh, and you were courageous doing that. And that's where everything shifted. That That's sort of magical. It was magical. And again, people say, you know, especially when I'm in, in doing a podcast in the deep South, why didn't you call on the name of Jesus right off the bat? Well, that, then I would have missed that experience. I chose to have that experience. So I, if I shortchanged myself and got out too early, I just have to come back and do something else. So no, I planned to be there. I planned my escape, you know, to have her say Christmas. That was the Ding, the little bell went on. Ah, Christmas, Jesus, I'm getting out of here. But that was pre-planned. Uh, it's like being in a play. I mean, you don't go halfway through the play and all of a sudden uh, have your, your main character walk off the stage. The writer would kill you. <laughs> you, know? you know, you just can't do that. You signed up to be in this play and, you know, wow. that's what you signed up for. So I, that's what I, I, and I consider myself a brave soul. I'm, I'm a little on the crazy for sure, side. For sure. <laughs> I, I don't see myself doing that again, but um, yeah, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I got out of it. And I can't tell you how many people uh, appreciate that, you know, because they've got all these, like you say, the little dark demons, the little negative energies that'll play on you, especially us people that have had religions, cultures, families that have taught us this stuff is real it's true um it's just like taking this key and unlocking and running out the door uh that's what i'm here for don't believe that crap is god is all loving and all forgiving period you can't you can't screw up uh you know you'll get a life review you'll get to feel you know anything that you've done to anybody else but that's not god's doing that's karma. That 
sort of the biggest lesson you're taking from it? Is that the message you, you believe you're here to tell and why you survived? Yeah, God's all loving and all forgiving, period. And we chose this life and, and people say, why would I change? I chose, chose, you know, choose this. And why would I choose? Well, when you get back in heaven, you're going to go, oh yeah. Now I remember why I signed up for that. <laughs> you know, we, if, like I say, if we knew we'd be cheating, we wouldn't be learning the lessons. So well, I got to cool. say, you <laughs> are a super brave soul. <laughs> I was like following you. I get pictures in my mind. It was like, I was in a movie when I was listening to this. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and you, you're talking about it as such a matter of fact, like even though you were very touched, uh, I, I just have to commend you. I think you're really a strong soul going through this. Thanks. So, yeah. I have some questions that I ask my guests. Um, what is self-love to you? Self-love is realizing that I am a piece of God. So I love, I love God. I love me. And what is a happy life to you? Happy life is uh, knowing I have purpose and then I'll be going home. Right. And what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? Uh, well, I learned it in kindergarten to know, love and serve God in this life and to be happy with him in the next. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kathy. This was really moving. Thank you for being on the oh, show and sharing your message. You. I, I really appreciate it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light 
from here.